Amen, amen. All right, I got a couple quick little announcements. The first one is this, is it is Christmas season here at the church. And, and I don't know if you saw, but there's these cards that are kind of floating all over the place, all over the building. They're invite cards, and, and one side has the little uh, fish thing, and the other side has this side. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and so I just want to just kind of point it out. We have our kids' Christmas production, Sunday, December 8th at 6 p.m. It is at night. It's going to be right here. Um, and so invite your friends and family and, and anybody who has kids. Um, every time we do one of these things, I'm telling you, it is so much fun. Um, and the, the kids get a lot out of it, but the adults get a lot out of it too. It is just a blast. And so plus there's cookies and uh, hot cocoa. So uh, you can at least come for the cookies and the cocoa. And then um, on Sunday, December 22nd is our Christmas service. And, and you don't want to be late. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying like I've been in here at song one and then I've been in here at song two and song three. And there's a little bit of a progression of what happens on Sunday morning. And then again, no judgment. I'm not pointing any fingers or calling out any names. Your initials are, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but, but on that one, you don't want to be late because, because it is not a normal type of service flow and um, there's stuff going on right from the beginning that you don't want to, you don't want to miss out. Um, on, the, on the kids' stuff, you want to be on time and for the Christmas services, you got to be here right when it starts because and, and it's got a little bit of a different flow. And then again, Church Christmas Social is coming up. And, uh, and the church Christmas social, it's just, a, it's just a Christmas party. We have a jazz band, we got fire pits, we've got food, and, and it's just a fun time just to hang out, and it's just like a, like a fun Christmas party. It's funny, um, a long time ago, uh, Amber and I would do a Christmas social at our house, um, and, and it just kept growing and growing, and the church kept growing, and then, and then eventually it got to the place where if you ever went to one of the last couple of them, it was like so full, you just couldn't fit everybody in. We thought, we're moving into the church, and, and it's just going to be, and it's gotten bigger and bigger, and it's gotten so much fun, and so I just want to invite everyone, please come be part of our, our fun Christmas social. And then the last announcement I have is this, is Rivers of Mercy. <coughs> Rivers of Mercy is a children's home that, that we partner with in Anapra, Mexico, just over the border. And we do a project or two or three every year. Um, if you guys were around last uh, spring and summer, we did the washing machine drive where we, we upgraded their laundry equipment um, and, and gave them a huge, but this, this right now, it's December. And so we are doing a toy drive for all the kids that are there. Um, many of them orphans. Some of them um, are just abandoned by their, by their families or, or in such dire financial straits that they can't even take care of their kids. And so maybe they're not orphans. But they're just—they just need the help and support of this children's home, and so um, we provide toys. And and um, and so please grab a tag. If you saw the Christmas trees in the lobby, there's faces. There's a few left, and so grab a tag. And all the instructions are there. And there's somebody there. Make sure you follow the rules, follow the instructions, because we got to get this stuff through the border, um, uh, to the border security, and all the other stuff the right way. And and so um, anyhow, I would encourage you to take a cat, take take a tag, and and then if you want to help deliver, um, uh, go down to Mexico. You can talk to Dale and Tawny who are at the booth with the Christmas trees, and, and you can get more information from them as well. But, all right, so now, uh, today we are kicking off our Christmas um, sermon series uh, right here at the church, and we're doing it. It's called a Charlie Brown Christmas, and, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, and, and actually, this week, we're kicking it off with Yo Snyder is going to be preaching this morning. That's right. It's going to be awesome. And, and so, um, so anyhow, Yo's preaching this morning. We're kicking off our, our Charlie Brown series. But before Yo comes, we have a little bit of a Charlie Brown video. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. What a treat. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. 
Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? The year was 1965. And at that time, no one believed that Charles Schultz's story about an underdog sticking to his principles in the face of relentless bullying would make for good TV. The origins of what became A Charlie Brown Christmas actually sprang from a failed documentary that Lee Mendelson had tried to make about Charles Schultz. None of the networks wanted it. But after Charlie Brown and the gang were featured on the cover of Time magazine, Coca-Cola's ad agency, McCain Erickson, got the idea for a holiday special. And they approached Mendelssohn about producing it. He was desperate after his failed documentary, so he lied. And he told the agent, yeah, Charles Schultz and I, we've talked about just such a project. And they said that he could do it. So he called Charles Schultz and told him, hey, we sold a Charlie Brown Christmas. And Charles Schultz said, what is that? And Mendelssohn said, it's something that you're going to write tomorrow. <laughs> so the next day, Mendelssohn rang up animator Bill Melendez, who had helped animate a two-minute segment for the documentary that never aired, and the three met in Schultz's office to write their Christmas special. Now, Schultz wanted the special to focus on the pressures of putting on a childhood Christmas play. But Mendelssohn had read The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen, and he suggested that they put in a tree that was as sad and misunderstood as Charlie Brown. So they cranked out an outline, they put it in a Western Union envelope, and they sent it off to Atlanta. Several days later, they heard back from the agency, and they were told they had six months to finish up their Christmas special. So things were starting to come together. For the music, the team courted up-and-coming jazz musician Vince Guaraldi. But when they played the introductory song, you know, the part where the kids are skating on the frozen pond, Mendelssohn realized that it was just too slow, it was too solemn, it was missing something. So he sat down at his kitchen table and wrote out the lyrics to Christmas Time is Here, which has now become an annual Christmas favorite, on the back of an envelope. Giraldi then enlisted a, child, a children's choir to actually sing the lyrics. But that didn't really help because when they played the song for the CBS executives, they said jazz does not belong in a cartoon. They also didn't like Schultz's decision to have actual kids voice the characters instead of getting adult professional voice actors to voice the characters. And those weren't the only problems that Charles Schultz was facing at the time. He was even getting some doubts from his own team about Charlie Brown and Christmas. Mendelssohn suggested that a laugh track would help make the show a little bit more interesting and maybe even save the show. Charles Schultz responded to that suggestion by getting up and walking out of the room. Clearly, he didn't like it. More importantly, though, when Schultz, who, by the way, was a Sunday school teacher, said that Linus should recite from the Gospel of Luke, Mendelssohn and Melendez both protested. As Mendelssohn pointed out, nobody at that time had ever animated anything from the Bible. And we knew it probably wouldn't work. They were flabbergasted by the very idea. Melendez told Schultz, who, by the way, uh, had a nickname of Sparky, he said, Sparky, this is religion. It just doesn't go in a cartoon. But Charles Schultz had a very simple response. Bill, if we don't do it, 
Who will? We can do it. Well, when CBS finally saw the finished product, they were sure it was doomed. It was too slow, there was no action, the kids weren't polished as voice actors, the jazz didn't belong, and oh yeah, there's that little thing about Linus quoting from the Bible. In their mind, there was nothing about this show that was going to work. However, Coca-Cola had already paid for it. It was already listed in the TV Guide. TV Guide was like a magazine that listed <laughs> what show was going to be on that night, for those of you probably don't remember, it was a long time ago. CBS basically had to air the show. But the execs were certain not only would this show flop, it would never be seen again. When A Charlie Brown Christmas aired at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on December 9th, 1965, half of all American TV viewers tuned in to watch it. At that time, that was about 15 million people. Since then, the show that was doomed to never air again has aired every December, sometimes more than once, for the last 54 years. That's longer than any other holiday program other than Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. On the show's 50th anniversary, President Obama called the show one of our country's most beloved traditions. Now just think about this. Millions and millions of people have heard Linus share the gospel from the Christmas story every December for over 50 years, and all because one guy said, if we don't do it, who will? People all over the world who have wanted to know what Christmas is all about have been able to learn the truth of the gospel simply by tuning in and watching a beloved Christmas special. Through good old Charlie Brown, I would venture to say that Charles Schultz has been as effective at sharing the gospel as Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, or any evangelist of your choice. And all because he said, if I don't do it, who will? Well, Christmas is here once again. Actually, in most stores, Christmas has been here since before Halloween. But for the rest of us, now that Thanksgiving is over, Christmas is finally fully upon us. There's Christmas lights, Christmas parties, Christmas plays, Christmas treats, Christmas sales. And in the midst of all that hustle and bustle, the question remains for a lot of people, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? Well, what about you? Can you tell them what Christmas is all about? I, I know, that seems kind of intimidating. It's kind of daunting. It's kind of uncomfortable to even bring up, right? Especially in today's culture. I mean, today's culture, everyone gets upset about everything all the time for any reason. So the very idea of talking about Jesus, who, by the way, his very name will upset everybody just by mentioning his name, seems kind of scary to even talk about him. But you know what? I think Charles Schultz, old Sparky, he had it right. If we don't, who will? And besides, Christmas... This season, it's one of the easiest years, time of the year, to share the gospel. Why? Because Christmas actually does most of the work for us. Let me explain what I mean by that. Now, I know a lot of people feel like Christmas is a big commercialized machine and that Christ gets lost in the midst of it. And I'll grant you, there is a lot of commercialization when it goes on with Christmas. 
In fact, the average American spends around $700 or so just on presents, which means annually our nation will spend $465 billion during Christmas. That's billion with a B. Not only that, but the Christmas shopping season is actually six days shorter this year. I'm sure you've heard about this. So it's expected that online sales are going to increase 14% this year, which means $143 billion is going to be spent on online shopping alone. In fact, it's predicted that tomorrow, Cyber Monday, $9 billion will be spent on Christmas. That seems like quite the commercialized machine, right? It's all money, money, money. There's nothing redeeming for us to talk about in the midst of all that, right? Well, let's consider a few things. Yeah, a lot of people spend their Christmas season shopping. But when they do shop in stores, what do a majority of the stores play while the people are all doing their shopping? Christmas music. And not just jingle bells. I've heard Oh Holy Night, the song that we just sung, one of the most worshipful, God-centered, traditional Christmas carols that I know of, playing while I was shopping in Kohl's. You will hear songs about Jesus playing in Target, Walmart, JCPenney, Macy's, wherever it is that you go. These stores are all playing songs about Jesus. You're going to hear Jesus playing in stores more during this time of year than any other time of the year. Mostly because the rest of the year, they don't play songs that talk about Jesus. They only do it during this time of year. But that's the point. People are shopping, and they're hearing the name of Jesus while they're shopping in these stores. But who's going to tell them what that's all about? And what do you see when you go shopping in stores? Probably not that, because we, we don't have a mall that looks like that. Or a store that looks like that, although that... That'd be kind of amazing. No, when you go into stores, the thing that you see is lots of sales, which is exciting. But there's more to it than that. Have you noticed that there's images of the nativity? There are stars and trees and lights and wise men and wreaths and candles. And you know what? All of that, in one form or another, actually points back to Jesus. Now, we're actually going to talk about that later on in this series in a message that's going to talk about the symbols of Christmas and how they point back to, to Jesus. But for now, just know the images and symbols of Jesus are everywhere at Christmas. They surround us at Christmas. But who's going to tell people what all those images and symbols mean? If we don't, who will? And what about this idea that Christmas is so commercial that Christ has actually been actively taken out of Christmas? Our culture is removing Christ from Christmas. In fact, they've removed him so much that they X him out. They call it X-miss. You've seen that, right? That's so insulting to X Christ out of Christmas. How dare they? Here's a fun fact for you. The X in X-miss is actually uh, based on the Greek letter chi, which is the first letter in the word Christos, which is where we get our English word Christ. In fact, X was often used as shorthand for Christ in the early church, especially during times of severe persecution. Also, the early church would often use the Greek letters X and Rho to make a monogram symbol that represented Christ. It looked like a P with a little X on it. You've probably seen it in some traditional forms. The simple fact is, Christ has not been taken out of Christmas. Even saying Happy Holidays instead of saying Merry Christmas doesn't do that. The root of holiday comes from a term that means Holy Day. 
the birth of Christ was one of the most holy days in all of history. So please, wish me a holy day. I have no problem with that. Wish others a holy day all you want. I think it's a good idea. And then there's this whole issue of like, well, fine, okay, but Jesus was not born on December 25th. I know, shocking. And it's true. He wasn't born on December 25th. In fact, it's more likely that he was born in the spring. But for various reasons, the church has decided to celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th. We're not going to go into all those reasons today, but no, there is a lot of history behind that. Now, think about this. How many times have you celebrated somebody's birthday, even though it wasn't the exact day that they were born on? The point of the celebration isn't the day. The point of the celebration is the person, I hope. It's no different with Jesus. We celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th. It's not the exact day that he was born on. But the point of the celebration is not the day. The point of the celebration is Jesus. If we don't explain that, though, who will? So Jesus is literally everywhere at Christmas. You can't escape him. He's in the music. He's in the symbols. He's in the decorations. He's even there when people try to make him not be there. Yet, it still seems like a lot of people just aren't getting what Christmas is all about. That's probably because no one has told them. You know, all this reminds me of an encounter that the disciple Philip had. We can read about that in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This has to be one of the easiest moments in recorded scripture for sharing the gospel. Philip hardly had to do anything. He basically had to be available, he had to be ready, and he had to be willing. And I love the eunuch's response when Philip asked him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch responded, well, how can I unless someone guides me? The point is, people don't always understand what Christmas is all about. Well, how can they unless someone guides them? So the question is, are we available? Are we ready? Are we willing? 
I was going to make that into a cool little acronym, and then I realized it can only spell a couple things. War. Let's go to war with the gospel, people. Or raw. And unless you like sushi, raw isn't all that good either. So I just left it as something I didn't spell anything. Now, wait. Am I saying that it's our job, yours and mine, to go out and tell people what Christmas is all about? That can't possibly be right. We're not pastors. It's up to Pastor Matt and all the people who are in the ministry. They're the ones who are supposed to do that, right? Well, hang on. Clearly, Philip didn't feel that way. He just made himself available and went where the Spirit told him. The Spirit told him to go. He said, okay, I'm going. Yeah, but he was a disciple. I mean, that was his job. He was in the ministry. Okay, if you're a follower of Christ... Aren't you a disciple? Aren't we just as much responsible to do what Jesus asks as Philip was? You know, Jesus said in John 8, if you hold to his teachings, you are his disciple. And you know what he tells his disciples to do? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. That's what Philip did. That's what we're called to do. Also consider what we're told in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood. You should declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. It's not Pastor Matt's job. It's not Pastor Amber's job, not Pastor Maverick's job. It's not the people in the ministry's job. It's our job. It's our privilege to share the gospel. It's our privilege to take every opportunity there is to share about Jesus. And we should be doing that during this season. We should be telling what Christmas is all about. And quite frankly, it doesn't really take someone special to do it. Do you remember in the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The them in that passage was shepherds. They're just everyday dudes. They weren't trained in philosophy or theology. They hadn't been to seminary. But they couldn't help telling everyone they encountered about what they had seen and heard about Jesus. And I'm willing to bet it wasn't that complicated. They didn't do an in-depth study of the Greek with everyone. They didn't walk them through a detailed word study through the scripture. They just told people what they had seen and heard, what they had experienced. And that was more than enough to share with people what Christmas was all about. And besides, if they didn't, who would? So, after we talk about all this, I guess the big question is, okay, fine. How then do we share what Christmas is all about? Well, maybe we need to be a little bit more like Philip. Maybe we need to be a little bit more like those shepherds. Maybe we just need to learn how to be available, ready, and willing, even if it doesn't spell anything. Find a way to be available. Now, I know the Christmas season is busy, But surely there's got to be ways in the midst of all that busyness for us to share Christ. We got all kinds of stuff going on. In the midst of all that hustle and bustle, are there ways that we can tell people what Christmas is all about? 
Colossians 4.5 urges us to be wise in how we act and to make the most of every opportunity to share the gospel. And I'm telling you, at Christmas time, the opportunities are abundant. They're all around us. You know, the fact is, you might be standing in line a lot when you do your Christmas shopping. Well, with all the music and all the imagery and all that stuff that's surrounding you, maybe there's some opportunities there. Maybe an opportunity to strike up a conversation with someone. Be available to having that happen. Maybe you can talk to the person who's scanning your stuff as you check out. Talk to them more about, are you sure you got my discount? You can talk to them about more than that. I want to save 15%. You never know what opportunities are going to come up. And they're all around us during the Christmas season. Be available. And when God says, hey, take advantage of this opportunity, be available and say, okay, let me put all my busyness, my hustle and bustle on pause just a moment and let me do what God is doing right now in this opportunity. Of course, some of you are thinking, (laughs) I don't talk to random people. I barely talk to people I know. I'm an introvert. You're lucky if when I talk to someone, I look at their shoelaces instead of my own shoelaces. (laughs) So there's no way I'm going to do any of that, yo. Like, okay, I understand. I get it. Maybe there's other ways, though, that you can work in sharing what Christmas is all about with people. Holiday baking. You know, we actually bake cookies for a lot of our neighbors every year. And my wife, awesome as she is, when we share those cookies with our neighbors, often puts in a little message, Jesus loves you snow much, or something along those lines. Because she's great at finding little ways to point to what Christmas is all about. In the midst of all the stuff that we do all throughout the season. At work, I'm putting up an advent calendar that all my coworkers can participate in. No big deal, but a lot of them don't know what an advent calendar is. Built-in opportunity, right there. And by the way, we make pretty good Christmas cookies, but some of the cookies that I see on Pinterest, I don't think they're real. (laughs) They're Photoshopped. Nobody makes cookies like that. I think I'm pretty good at cookies, and you look at that, and you're like, yeah, right. (laughs) Sure you did. (laughs) Yeah, you made those. You made those last year. <laughs> we also need to be ready to tell people what Christmas is all about. 2 Timothy 4.2 tells us to preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. I think in season it means Christmas, but that's just that's my interpretation. That's not, what it, that's not what it really means. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask for the reason for the hope that we have. We need to be ready. And it's a lot simpler this time of year. But how do you get ready? You know, we say Jesus is the reason for the season. And we like it because it rhymes. It's easy to remember. And it's true. Jesus is the reason for the season. But do you know why? I mean, do you know why well enough that you could actually explain it to someone? And if you don't, it's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. You can learn. We have small groups, small group leaders, great pastors, all kinds of really smart people in this church who can help you understand why Jesus is the reason for the season and how to explain that to other people. You can learn what the Bible has to say about Jesus, why Christmas is so important, why he's the Savior. And I know you're looking at me right now saying, that sounds like homework. 
I graduated from school, so I don't have to do homework. Yeah, it is a little bit of homework. It's a little bit of study. It's a little bit of work. But the work is worth it. And if we don't do it, who will? So learn what the Bible has to say about this time of year. And I'm talking about more than just those famous Christmas verses that you hear at every Christmas Eve service. Dig deeper than that. Look to the prophecies that talked about Jesus' birth. Did you know that Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament? Prophecies ranging from predictions about his birth all the way up to how he was going to die. It is fascinating stuff. Dig in. Learn about that history. Study it. And you will be ready. And speaking of history, why not learn some of the history about all the symbols behind Christmas? Now, I know there's some concerns about those symbols because they have pagan roots. And it's true, they do. They have pagan roots. In fact, Christmas used to be a celebration that was all rowdy and drunken and crazy, kind of like Mardi Gras. But it's not seen that way anymore. The symbols and images that we see at Christmas time now are almost exclusively seen as being associated with Jesus. You can come back later on, like I said, in this series, we're going to do a message that's going to talk about that, and you can get just a taste of how all these symbols point to Jesus. But here's a point I want to make. Yeah, these symbols are based on pagan roots, but let's be clear. Schools today do not have winter break instead of Christmas break because Christmas break was just a little too pagan. And workplaces don't have end-of-year celebrations instead of Christmas parties because Christmas party was a term that was a little too broad in accepting all forms of pagan worship. <laughs> Christmas is seen by our culture as a largely religious and pretty much exclusively a Christian celebration. There's a lot of history behind that. There's reasons why that has changed, why that has happened in our culture. Learn about that. Learn about the symbols that's associated with that. Learn a little bit about our church history. It's fascinating stuff, and then you will be ready to share what Christmas is all about. And finally, we just need to be willing. We need to be more like the prophet Isaiah. When God asked him, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? Isaiah raised his hand and said, here I am. Send me. We need to be more like Linus. When somebody yells out, isn't there somebody who can tell me what Christmas is all about? We can step up and say, sure, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And quite frankly, if all the rest of what I've just talked about just seems too hard, there's something really simple you can do. Invite people. Be willing to invite them here. Bring them here. The next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to talk a lot about what Christmas is all about. People are going to hear about Jesus. They're going to hear about why he's the reason for the season, why the lights and decorations point to him. So be willing to bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring a family member, bring someone you know who just wants to know what Christmas is all about. There's lots of people who may be confused and want to know. This is your opportunity to do that here the next few weeks. Make the most of it. In 1965, no one thought that old blockhead Charlie Brown would be the one 
who had helped millions and millions of people hear what Christmas was all about every year for over 50 years. But Charles Schultz knew that if he didn't help Charlie Brown do that, who would? The Christmas season makes it easier than any other time of the year to talk about Jesus because he's everywhere already. And the fact is, there are people who are curious or confused or confounded about what all of this means. They want and need to know what Christmas is all about because, quite frankly, eternity hangs in the balance. Hell looms on the horizon. Did he just say hell? I thought this was a Christmas sermon. Yeah, I did say H-E double hockey sticks. And you know why? It's because when Jesus was born to be our Savior, he was born to save us from H-E double hockey sticks. That was part of his gift to us. Shouldn't we be willing to share that gift with others? Shouldn't we have a strong desire to let people know H-E double hockey sticks doesn't have to be a part of their future? Sure, hell is not often associated with Christmas, but I'm telling you, the shadow of the cross was cast over that manger the night that Jesus was born. We need to share that. Are we available? Are we ready? Are we willing to share the gift of Jesus They may not say it out loud, but I'm telling you, in their hearts and minds, there's people out there who want to hear what Christmas is all about. They're saying, isn't there someone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? Are you going to be the Linus to their Charlie Brown and just simply say, yeah, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. It's Jesus. Now, Maybe there's some of you here today who are hearing all this for the first time. This is all new to you. You're hearing that Christmas is the time of year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. He was God, born in the flesh. He lived like a normal human being, even though he was fully God at the same time. He lived among his creation. He grew to manhood, discipled some of his friends, performed some miracles, and warned people there was only one way to get into the kingdom of heaven, and that was through him. And then this Jesus was betrayed, killed on a cross, and buried. However, three days later, he rose from the grave, showed himself to his followers, and promised that he would return one day for all those who believe in him. At Christmas, we celebrate the beginning of one of the greatest stories in all of human history. It's the story of God coming to save all of us. You want to know what all the fuss is about Christmas? Why all the joy? Why peace on earth? Why goodwill towards men? Why gifts? It's because of Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. But here's the funny thing about gifts. They're only good if you accept them. So before we leave today, I want to walk you through how you can do that, how you can accept the gift of Jesus. It's as easy as ABC. First, you have to admit that you're a sinner. I've missed the mark. I'm not living the life that, you, that God wants me to live. B, you have to believe that Jesus died and rose again to pay the price for your sin. And C, you have to confess that you want Jesus to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to be the leader of your life. 
I'm telling you, there's no better time to do that than at Christmas. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. We're going to pray all this together out loud so no one feels awkward. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus came to pay the price for my sin. I confess that I need Jesus as my Savior. Come now and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. On a personal note, I just want to say, Christmas was one of my dad's favorite times of year. He always did the best sermons at Christmas. He passed away this September, so it's been a real special privilege to be able to be here and to start this special Christmas series with all of you, so thank you.